Hello and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Adafruit Show and Tell. Uh, I'm Liz. I'm going to be your host this evening. If you would like to join the live stream to show off your project, especially during this sleepy week between Christmas and New Year's, you can come by the Adafruit Discord at adafruit.it slash discord. And in the live broadcast chat, you'll find the link. Uh, first, we're going to kick things off with our friend Kevin from DigiKey. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Hey, Liz, how you doing? You're right. It is a, a sleepy week between Christmas and New Year's. That's why I have the lights off and I'm just trying to stay in the dark. Nice. So um, everything's good. I hope all is well with you and the rest of the Adafruit team. Yeah, things are going well. Thanks. So over this sleepy week and last week, I was kind of playing around in my house uh, in my bar mm -hmm. and adding some lights to it to make it look really cool and really fancy. So one of my coworkers introduced me to WLED using the ESP devices. Oh, so nice. what I'm using is I'm using a, a Feather ESP32, and to be able to install it is you literally install it over Chrome. There's nothing else needed. It just puts all the files right on the device, and you change everything on the GUI. And the GUI also works on uh, on your phone or a mobile device or web browser. And the, the beautiful thing is I think I have about 600 LEDs here and oh, wow. all the wires are hidden and it's just simple. I mean, just changing colors, you know, you just literally push the button and change it to all these different options that they have. Nice. And I also took it one step further and added a microphone to it. So I have a, a microphone back. It, it's too dark. You can't see it's back <laughs> there. Uh, oh so yeah. In the corner there. So right now it's, now work, you can see as my as I talk, the lights come on. Or if I hit the counter. Oh, that's great. You know, when I have, you know, guests over or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, playing some music, it, it looks really cool in here. And I see I have a little helper right guess, there. Yeah. <laughs> guess coming in, so I apologize about that. But yeah, this no. is just a, a fun project that I worked on at home. And, you know, the, the simplicity of the Adafruit feather boards and some of the tutorials out there is just incredible and it's a lot of fun. So that's, that's what I have to show for show and tell this week. I love how it looks too under the like recessed bar and with the glass and everything too. So it looks really nice. Yeah, it really adds a good look. There's usually a bunch of uh, bottles on the top shelf, but for this, I took them down. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Kevin. I hope you have a good rest of the sleepy week. And you do the same. Thanks, everybody. Take care. No problem. Have a good night. Uh, next, we're going to hear from some Adafruit folks. We're going to kick things off with Nate. Hey, Nate, how's it going? Hey, good. Good to see you, Liz. Good to see you, too. Uh, today, today, I bought um, my 3D printed owl. So this is kind of an art project that I did yeah. over, over the break. Um, it's a 3D printed, no support design, and it has a rotating head. So... <laughs> Uh, this is kind of my attempt of making another owl, but more artistic with a little bit of print-in-place mechanism. So the bottom of the owl has um, uh, this kind of handle that allows you to rotate the head. And uh, it started off as kind of like a, kind of wanted to do like an ornament with like yeah. the the sort of circular pattern of these um, of these kind of tubes that are kind of curving. So I started with that. And then I saw something on Amazon that was like an owl piggy bank, sort of. And okay. it had this similar kind of meshing. I was like, ah, it's got to be an owl. So I worked on the owl head. And then from there, I figured, OK, instead of just like doing the whole snap fit bit where I kind of print two things and snap fit them together, how about I just print it all in one go? 
with the head printed separately. So the internal um, uh, structure is what keeps the, the head elevated and that's what's connected okay. um, to the head really. And then there's some geometry on the bottom here that kind of caps, it captures the edge of the handle of the bottom mm -hmm. of this so that it can't come out, so it can't fall apart, can't oh, be disassembled. Great. And um, there's some little details like the wing that has these kind of triangular patterns. And it, it did pretty good for the print. It came out a little bit stringy because our our process our method for um, doing time lapses are uh, they they tend to leave prints like this kind of stringy. But this wood yeah. filament cleaned up fairly good. Um, there's That's some blemishes and stuff on the eyes, but yeah. it's fine. Uh, so there's no post processing here. Just kind of kind of cleaning it up with our fingers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you get this kind of uh, free spinning kind of thing. Huh? It's it's fun to kind of just do that with. Um, so it's a free design. If folks want to print it out, maybe they get themselves a new 3D printer and they're looking to, to print something kind of fun. Um, give this a shot. It's on uh, printables.com. I'll throw it up on some of the other sites, but it's there for now. And uh, there'll be a blog post going out. But we also did the Time Lapse Tuesday video right, um, yeah. that came out on Tuesday. So if folks want to see that, where's an owl should be on your shoulder. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like that you can kind of almost like kind of puppeteer it with the way that the. Yeah. yeah, you can yeah. kind of hide it and you can't tell like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah, so a little something a little bit different. And, yeah, uh, it's kind of like a yeah. stress test, but it's also like artsy. Yeah. So you, know, you can really exactly. fine tune your printer, but also get something nice for your home at the same time. Hoot. Hoot, hoot. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, check it out. Um, cool. It's up there. Folks want to want to try their... Excellent. Yeah, we can also drop the link in the Discord chat too if folks want. Oh, to. yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm on there. Cool. Awesome. Good idea. Thank All you right. so much. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Next, we're going to go to Jeff. Hello, I, Jeff. Yeah, I was going to come on show and tell, but I need to go start printing that owl like now because it is so cute. And I, I have a little thing for owls. So yes, that was okay. neat to see. Yeah. Uh, but I have my screen share up and I'll show you what I've been working on today. So this is a keyboard for the Atari XEGS, which was a very late uh, kind of game console. Wow, okay. Uh, like late 80s, um, yeah. way too late to, to be good in the market. But anyway, it has this interesting keyboard with the help button. So that's why we, we got it and decided to do it. And uh, so I put a cutie pie inside and it is scanning the keyboard and translating all the key presses. And so I can type, well, if I was in the right window. <laughs> And every time you press the help button, you can get help. So, um, you know, sometime in January, I'll be doing a guide around this with uh, CircuitPython. Um, and I'll probably actually do it with the uh, ESP32S3 QtPy because we want to use it to show this ultra low power processor that is in it and is really nicely suited to the task. And yeah, it's not a great keyboard. The, the keys are kind of mushy and it doesn't have rollover. Oh, okay. um, so just one key at a time plus shift or control is about mm. all you can do. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if you were feeling nostalgic or if you wanted this particular keyboard layout to use in an emulator, it would be a lot of fun. And so we were discussing this in our internal meeting and information from Phil B is that there was the Atari XE home computer and then okay. the game station version XEGS and the home computer had these four keys populated. Oh, okay. And this doesn't, and they're not usable. So I couldn't, you know, in CircuitPython make these do anything because they're not connected out. Gotcha. Um, just in case you were wondering about that. 
so yeah, that's what I've got. Although uh, at the end, if we've got time, I've got another really old, it's a 1979 um, little newsletter to look at for fun, so. Excellent, all right. And I, I mean, the help button is just wonderful, especially the yes. tape of it. I mean, it should maybe send F1, but for the purposes of, of demoing it, I thought this would be. I, I like the help, yeah. Awesome, thank you, Jeff. Uh, we're I'll gonna be pressing this button a lot. Anyway. <laughs> I would too. Uh, we're gonna hear some from, from some folks in the community, then we'll come back to the diabol diabolical computer. All right. Okay, thanks. All right, next we're gonna hear from Paul, Paul Cutler. How's it going? Hi, Liz, happy Hi. holidays. Happy holidays. You know, almost all the projects I've worked on have been for fun, and I finally made a practical project. All so right. here in Minnesota, we've got really hard water, so I've got a water softener, and I have to pour tons of salt in it. Well, and it's, you know, four or five feet tall, and I never remember to check it until it's gone. Gotcha. So I got an, a Feather ESP with a time-of-flight sensor. I got to figure out how I'm going to mount this underneath the lid, and it's mm. hooked up to Adafruit I.O., and every day it just tells me, you know, it measures how much salt is left and tells me the distance. It's perfect. So, oh, uh, yeah, just something small. It was easy to do, something quick over the holidays, and uh, pretty proud of it. That's awesome. Um, and you are also the host of the CircuitPython podcast. I am. We just wrapped up season two. Um, Tech Trick was the last guest, and we'll be back in a, probably a month or two. Excellent. Yeah, I've, I really love what you've done with that. And I think it's made 2022 a really special year for CircuitPython. Looking forward to seeing what you do in uh, 2023 with it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Paul, and happy holidays. All right. Now we're going to end our last show until 2022 with Jeff. All right. That's volatile computer. That was quick. So yeah, um, this was you know in a cache of stuff that I was given by a friend, and I don't know the full history. Um, but what I've gathered is it's for TRS-80, which okay. was kind of the computer of Radio Shack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so like anything, and 79 is super early for home computers. Let me get this out of the way. We don't need that. Um, yeah, so, and there's no like mailing information on it. So probably my friend picked it up, you know, at a bookstore. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a couple of the articles here, the diabolical computer talks about I think level one is a particular model of computer. Okay. And so, yeah, it talks about they had one and they would type in a program and then the program would just go and all your day's work was lost. Oh. Uh, but they say, uh, you know, just take it back to the rehabilitation center, which I think was your local radio shack and that they would fix it for you. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And this says in 1977, I organized Mall Mart, distributes information mostly by mail, which is how they did it in those days. It was the custom. <laughs> And it wouldn't be early home computing without basic programs. Yes. Um, so they have a program to clear the screen to white. And version one here is uh, five lines long in basic. And it takes about 47 seconds to fill the screen with white, which I thought was pretty crazy. And I mean, Why would you want it faster? That's perfect. Why would you need it faster? <laughs> but you know, they optimize it. Program two gets it down to where, where is it eight seconds oh, okay and then yeah and then they kind of explain <laughs> and look, look at this guy the art in this is excellent <laughs> yeah i mean i think you always is he pressing the help key that's my question is he I pressing think so. the help key there yeah but he's worried about what's going to happen clearly <laughs> uh, but then they have a whole um larger program listing in here oh wow 
it's going to run you, I don't know, what is that, 20 odd lines? Yeah. Probably like 18, well, some of them are more than one line, but 18 numbered locations that uh, could do a graph right on your home TV. Okay. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. It doesn't say anywhere that I saw how long it takes to produce the graph, but I'm guessing probably <laughs> probably the greater part of a minute you'd be sitting there waiting for your computer to finish yeah. showing this on the TV. But this, of course, is not the TV. This is somebody has worked out on graph paper um, what is, is shown at each location oh, somehow wow. manually. And let me see if I can zoom in here a little bit. So this here is showing, like starting at memory location 512, which is sub rows 24, 25, and 26, because you can divide your characters up into three pixels by two pixels. Okay. And then, you know, counting across, you're going to put these, wow. these dots here, and then you'd work out in your program how to do this stuff. Yeah. So down here is the numbering of the character positions. You know, character four is sub dots eight and nine. And then your line goes over to position 1023 for the last line of the screen. And you'd have to, you know, manage all that yeah. with your <laughs> little basic commands. And boy, it was a lot of fun in those days, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, you know, it's always fun to say we've come a long way. Yeah. And I, I never had the opportunity to play with those kind of machines, but it's it's interesting to see how it used to be and then look at yeah. where we are now and think about I mean, it, you know. Yeah, it was a good the sound of Pi Portal. <laughs> it was a good five or six years later before I had my home, first home computer. But in a lot of ways, I think it was just about as rudimentary as this. It had just become more affordable. And yeah, now we are grumpy if my Pi Portal display takes two seconds to refresh right. it's doing graphics and it's pulling from the internet and all these yeah. all these amazing things. So yeah. Um, and by the way, um, keep an eye on the blog because we will be asking people soon to tell us where they want CircuitPython to go in 2023. Yes. And we're going to invite uh, you to post on blogs or send us emails or just, uh, you know, talk about it in whatever way works for you. And then we'll kind of amplify that and um, through, through the blog and through other mediums. I don't know exactly. And yeah, because we like to know what y'all want. And normally Scott would be here saying that, but uh, he's taking quality time off. Yes. And yeah. uh, and thank you, Liz, for coming in to host show and tell tonight. Oh, no problem. Thank you for with, otherwise, you're, you're week off, but uh, here you are. No, all good. All yeah. right. Thanks so much, Jeff. And uh, looking forward to seeing everyone's uh, CircuitPython 2023 yes. as well. Yeah, so start thinking now. Start thinking now and let us know. All right. All right. Good night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming by Show and Tell. Last Show and Tell of 2022. It's been a lovely year. Uh, in about 15 minutes, uh, John Park is going to have his John Park's workshop live right here. Uh, stay tuned. And until then, happy holidays, folks. And we'll see you in 2023.